Hello, and welcome to Exit the Stage Door. I am your host, Aaron Teachman, and I am incredibly stoked to bring you this next episode. It is Brittany Dilberto, one of the uh, most fantastic up-and-coming lighting designers and uh, photographers, actually, in the Washington, D.C. area, and it was a great privilege to be able to sit down with her and... (laughs) talk about kind of a lot of things you're going to see in pretty much all of them promotional material the space ballet thing because I I, I love the space ballet thing um, and the, it's a piece called Polaris and we talk about it quite a lot um, and it's I have never seen it so I don't know if it's really awesome or not but it sounds really awesome and we talk about it a lot I'm totally burying the lead here the point is it's Brittany Diliberto guys she's an amazing photographer and a wonderful lighting designer and <laughs> fantastic conversationalist so um if you don't have the privilege of knowing her uh you're welcome for this introduction and if you do already you're also welcome because this is another chance to hear what she has to say which is a lot of fun and awesome stuff it was so much fun to sit down with her um <laughs> yeah hey check it out I don't even know what episode number this is. I think it's 16. I've lost track. I don't want to feel like I'm getting older and the amount of time that has passed since we started this journey makes me feel older. That's neither here nor there. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I am Aaron Teachman. This is Exit the Stage Door. And this is Brittany DeLiberto. coffee maker and that's amazing sweet now now we're just two people and a coffee maker <laughs> and a coffee maker uh which is as it should be i think we both work at theater so absolutely that's always a constant presence <laughs> in our lives right so actually there's the f- <laughs> we have started recording officially that that's what the head taking off the headphones meant that we had started all right but um I had deliberately avoided telling you this over the email conversations that we had started up because I thought it would be fun to start the podcast with you talking about uh, the hang for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, which went incredibly smoothly. Fantastic. Yes. So thank you for the work you did on Mary Stewart because very welcome. it worked out really well. It Hooray! Was, we, I, was, I was obviously worried and uh, because of what Julius Caesar was like because it was a nightmare. Right. It took like four days and then, you know, 12 hours by myself to do it. And we were done, uh, basically done at the end of the day. And everything else was super gravy. That's we didn't awesome. hang a bunch of lights that are probably going to get cut because they're shins that are like a foot and a half. Okay. Like the, the pipe is a foot and a half off of the deck. And there is a two foot platform at hmm. the bottom of one that of the That sounds like it's going to be really effective. Like, ah, I'm guessing that light's going to go away. That or it's just going to move up. It could. It that, could just shift up a little bit. True. Somebody could have just read the drawing wrong. <laughs> it happens all the time. There's a roof under the roof. That's why it was so easy. There's gotcha. nothing There's overhead. There's nothing overhead. Yes. Oh, well, no wonder you had an easy time. Yeah. I was I worried. had to get lights in between oh all of the weird panels. They do such In between strength. the rafter, in between the... And I'm sitting there going, how... In the world, okay, we'll do this. It's gonna, it's, it'll work eventually. Folger is a room that people try to like 
they try to bend it to their will and it resists really strongly. It really does. Because <sighs> Julius Caesar had that curve. Like Tony Chizik, first of all. I mean, occasionally he dreams big and sometimes does like amazing things. But, but a curved wall inside of a Shakespearean set that has already all those walls in it. And the curved ceiling piece, like the curved wall. Okay, hey, fine, but know, the curved ceiling dream. piece. You got a dream. Good grief. That <laughs> killed me. And the worst part about that, of course, like, so we loaded the show in on March 20th, but we don't focus until May 4th. The show could also run until July 5th. Oh my goodness, that's that's huge. <laughs> it's totally insane. But So we had to we had to hang the lights before the set right. was anywhere near it. So you're guessing. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, it's like... I. And that's pretty much exactly the problem that knocked out Julius Caesar. It's right. like, oh, curved piece, like, and he he drew curved pipes to oh. match the curved set. It's like, but I, that might have helped you conceptualize this, but that's not how they can be physically hung. So deciphering where it actually needed to go, and then guessing about where it would actually end up, mm-hmm. because you know, six inches off doesn't isn't a big deal to a carp, but it really matters to that light. <laughs> yeah, when that light can't tip down, you know. Oh, well. But yeah, so it was not a disaster. It went well, very good. well. I'm glad that, that was all great. of, Thank all you of again. my paperwork updating, the studio's yes. paperwork updating was, was helpful. <laughs> oh, yeah. It helped with the IQs, moving all the smart stuff around. It helped a lot. So. Awesome. But awesome. we should also talk about space ballets. Space ballets. That's amazing. Yeah, it really was amazing, actually. And dance is the perfect medium for that kind of thing, Absolutely. isn't it? I love the idea Absolutely. of it already. That was... Um, it, I love working with the Russian Ballet. They they make me like really really happy. Um, I've been doing work on and off with them for the past ten years in different like different ways. I've been an electrician. I've been a carpenter. I've been a painter. I've like I don't know if I've actually stage managed anything for them, but I, I feel like I might have. Um, I've assisted. I've been a lighting supervisor, and then I finally got this phone call saying, "Hey, we're you know we're doing a new works festival this year." We're trying to get in more designers. Would you please come down and um, and design one of the four pieces? Of course, I was just ecstatic. Yeah. I love designing for dance. And uh, didn't know even know what choreographer I was working with. Didn't know <laughs> anything about the dance piece that I was going to be working on. Didn't know anything. And uh, about a week before I went down there, got really got a, a bit more information about the ballet I was doing. And... Uh, from the company manager, she's, I was like, is there any music that I could listen to? Just anything. And just to give me a little bit of insight, because I've got to I've gotta pick color by, you know, Friday, and it's Tuesday, and we we tech pretty soon. And, it's, I mean, yes, we're pulling stuff from stock, because it's, it's festival style. It's pretty right, yeah. easy going, just working within a rep plot. Um, she's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's totally different than what you think it's going to be. Tell me what you think. And I'm like, okay. All right, so... I get in my car, leaving whatever theater I was at when I got that email, and I downloaded the nine-minute track or something like that to my phone, and I pumped it through my car stereo system, and I cranked it up all the way. I was like, all right, see what this thing has to give. And um, you ever listen to music where, like, there's a really long intro, and it's almost like a drone of just a, like, just that feedback sound oh, yeah. on the guitar. Yeah. And you're just waiting for that beat to drop. And you're just waiting for that beat to drop. And that beat never drops for the whole nine minutes. You're just sitting there waiting in anticipation. Whoa. Just like waiting and waiting. And you're like, all right, I can feel it. And I can feel like another like pull of something. And there's going to be a... It's building up. And it's doing these things. There's all sorts of movement within this drone sound. But you always think that there's going to be this moment where it's like... And now 
it's gonna be this crazy staccato blah, 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 <laughs> right. thing that just happens and it n- no never happens and so I'm sitting there going ah man I feel like I just held my breath for nine minutes oh yeah yeah and uh, I was like I don't even know what the movement's gonna be for this like what is the inspiration for this totally totally bizarre and uh in talking with the choreographer over the next couple of days, she's like, yeah, this, this whole ballet was inspired by the Pillars of Creation image that the Hubble telescope took. Oh, yes. I was yes. like, well, the whole thing, that whole thing just made me feel like I was waiting and floating in space nice. the whole time. Oh, yeah. She's like, that's the goal. I was like, well, you have succeeded and I haven't even seen the ballet yet. <laughs> um, and she was in the middle of, choreo- of choreographing it at the time. So basically the whole premise is there's these four co- choreographers for the New Works Festival. Each one gets 25 hours to choreograph their piece oh, on wow. company dancers. Um, then choreographer can talk with their designer about what they think they want. Um, <laughs> we come up with ideas. We, we go and we watch a couple run-throughs. We have an hour and a half to dry tech it in. Whoa. Next day we add dancers. You see it run through once with your lighting cues on top. You have a little bit of time to make some changes. Maybe 10 minutes of work time afterwards. Then it's on to the next piece. Next night it's dress run. Next night we open really really lightning fast um and i i could not have been more like just completely in shock with how gorgeous that piece was oh wow okay you know it's one of those like you you watch it for the first time and you're going that music was almost written for what you choreographed and it was just an absolutely incredible thing to be a part of and the choreographer um kate kate scarpatowska i hope that i said your name right kate i'm really sorry (laughs) if i didn't (laughs) um she she hails from new york city and she was an absolute pleasure to work with and i really hope we get to do it again oh that sounds awesome it was really cool <laughs> that really cool image when they released it because they released like a the giant full scale image mm-hmm. of it and it's evocative and amazing and if you I'll, I'll just put a link to it in the show notes ha <laughs> um because yeah that I, <laughs> I can see how that would be an inspiration for for anyone's creative endeavor it's yeah great to do it to dance i love that it was it was really cool the whole piece started kind of on the floor and it's just like these eight guys moving around and they would slowly morph and kind of travel over each other and then elevate one dancer and put him down and and you could just sort of see everything it it felt like it was floating i i I started out with just sidelight for that piece and um then we just kind of built in some like streaking star sort of feeling and then once we got into the the heart of it, we brought in a whole galaxy on the floor. That was the oh, only thing that cool. actually touched the floor. Um, oh. And uh, and then some some really cool glitter at the end <laughs> when the new star was born, or at least that's the way that I interpreted it. <laughs> um, the piece was called Polaris. So, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was so really fun. it was really cool to work on. Totally different than than many of the things that I work on here in DC. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it was just it was really really great. That is amazing. I um I never had I don't I didn't think that I had an appreciation for dance but that's because I didn't really see much dance. The one dance piece that I had seen was this um it's called Garten der Liste, uh Garden of Pleasures. Um it was in Berlin. Okay. In 2000 right in the middle of the BSE scare. So it was all about like what was in the air was like industrial farming and and the the way that it reduces like very uh what is it it was inspired by i am totally blanking on aldous huxley's book it's brave new world Brave new world okay so it's sort of an interpretation of the idea that people are deadened by pleasure to the 
the way that they're being used and there's a lot of people getting naked and there's weird plastic and I was not ready for that piece. <laughs> so that for for a long time until I was actually at Shakespeare Theater working in Velocity mm-hmm. um, that I really which is a really great festival because you see a lot of there's it's a, a lot real of diversity really, of absolutely it's a cool it's a cool festival and and people to work with like it's it's always interesting having an opinion about a piece and an opinion a separate opinion about the person absolutely. who produced that piece but yeah it's a and that's when I was like oh wait this is awesome and some of the weirder people like the uh, company E mm-hmm. um. Sin, well, I can't remember the name of there. I mean, it, it it really is a festival. So like the names of the dance companies got confused in my own brain. But some of the more modern dance stuff, I was like, the, the there's this one where it's like a solo person, like trying to be like an emu or an ostrich. Which if you say that in words, sounds that's like it ridiculous. should be awful. But it was great. Like the command the guy had of his body was stunning, and there is nothing that will make you feel worse about your own body than watching a dancer nearly naked just having that much, exerting that much absolute control over what they do. Mm-hmm. And looking like an ostrich. And looking like an ostrich, but not in a ridiculous way. It was amazing. Yeah, like I love that piece. Way. Yeah. Right. And he stayed in character throughout his bow. Like, he was great. That's awesome. I don't even remember his name, which is the unfortunate part. But yeah, so dance. And sp- so now when you say space ballet to me, I'm like, I'm there. Sign me up. That's cool. <laughs> I wish I wish that that piece had run longer so that I could have told everybody that I knew up here to travel down to yeah. Richmond to go see it. But it was a it was a one week short run. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and who knows? You know, ballets are known for bringing new pieces all the time back right? to life. Yeah. So it might come back. Yeah, I, I hope, hope it so. does. Yeah, I hope it does. That'd be great. I um started working with the Washington Ballet mostly because. Well, CC, actually, my boss, when I work at the Washington Ballet, also lives with you, which yep. is a funny story <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> it was so funny. She was just talking about her roommate. Like, she, she, like, she just said uh, a few things. Uh, she didn't use her name or anything like that. <laughs> she's just describing She's me. like, yeah, I live in Arlington, and, like, she's going to be away because she has to go do work in Richmond. I'm like, wait. What? <laughs> Like she didn't even talk like you were an industry. She didn't say that she lived with someone in the industry right away. She was getting her. Like she, she, we should really have her on the podcast. It's a shame that she feels like her voice isn't up to it today. But she's a, a hilarious person. She is hilarious. Oh my I gosh. know. I know. We end up having some of the most random conversations at home, and they just sort of spur when like one of us walks in through the door. It's great. Yeah, it's really great. So as she was saying that, talking about her, the awful thing that happened to her, like just like all of a sudden within a week, just being in DC and then being thrown into the freaking Nutcracker. Absolutely. And then needing a place to stay, and then I'm like, but wait, I think I know who you're living with. That's super weird. Yep. She's cool. You'll like her. And she's like, yeah, I'm really grateful. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna dig it. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those happenstance things. There were friends of mine on Facebook that were saying they needed a friend that, that had a friend who was looking for a place to stay. I was like, I, I actually have. There's a room. Like, we can make this happen. It was great, yeah. So it was, it, I love I love how small the theater world is sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, because she's coming from Chicago. Right. <laughs> you never know who people know. You yeah, never and, know any of those connections. And she used to work here in D.C. in, like, right. 03, and she knows Sarah LaRue really well, who works at Signature. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's, and now and I know the world gets smaller. Yeah, and the overhire crew that I work with at Shakespeare Theater a lot, they um, a bunch of them are from Virginia, uh, like 
well, they, they're based in Virginia, like Peter Goldschmidt and Amanda Demzik. So they work at Signature all the time. And now they're like, oh, yeah, and CC is like, oh, wait, you, you know, know CC. <laughs> oh, she's covering it. That's, it's great. I love it. Yep. It's so funny. Oh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, I started working with the ballet. Right. Right. So we, but um, it was on Nutcracker. Obviously, no one's breaking any ground on Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. Um, but that led to working with them um, on their Sleepy Hollow. I heard a lot about premiere, that. Which is, wow. And that happened. It was it was only less than four shows. It was right. crazy. It was like, that, but that's what the storybook ballets are. Yeah. And that's the weird thing. Richmond Ballet does them, too. And, and all his work goes into it for, like, ever and then like all right and here's the show haha it closed haha sorry you missed it (laughs) um yeah i mean this year for richmond ballet we brought back don quixote which was really great to work on because one of the ballet masters malcolm byrne was actually playing don q (laughs) um and uh seeing him come in on his on his little horse was really really priceless um (laughs) but uh again it's just it's like this gorgeous huge ballet and there's so much that goes into it and it's such a quick up and out. Yeah. We were like, ah, I feel like it should run longer. A but. little bit, even a little bit. <laughs> but yours had like projections and yeah. all sorts of crazy things and fire like effects and 80 rail moves. Right. Which we had to learn in two days. And was I was insane. gonna come see it, but I was in Richmond working on Doc <laughs> <Q>. <laughs> I don't. I so the. I mean, they obviously people. Washington Ballet has a reputation. Uh, they do. They do amazing. Like Septine Weber does yeah. amazing stuff. And uh, so there's. People, the projections are actually what's going to make it kind of hard for people to do because there a lot of LAs are set up to you know rent stuff and right. but but a lot of them aren't prepared for the projection and I think that's something they're mm-hmm. new. Well, projection is very new to a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they're still know. figuring it all out, and it looked awesome. I'm sure it did. Oh my gosh, the chase sequences were great. Um, ugh, it was it was it was a blast to work on, and working in the Kennedy Center was super cool. Absolutely, there's always a pinch me moment. Like, did I just walk through the stage door at the freaking Kennedy Center? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah, that was that was really awesome. But I, my first exposure to that actually, I didn't work it, but mm-hmm. my friend, that kind of like compressed classical, like a classical theater theatrical form working in a very compressed time period was at um was the kentucky opera in louisville my friend uh ryan connolly who i hope to interview actually um on the way back from the festival next week uh he's an opera singer which is also a ridiculous thing to say absolutely i have some friends who are opera singers and <laughs> that's just it's a funny sentence to say yeah it's it's a, such a cool profession it's so not something that you really think about right and it's um, like he knew he knew very early that he was going to be like, you didn't stumble. You can't stumble onto being an opera singer. No, no, no. Yeah. But he was a part of the, like, apprentice company. He was part of one of his, like, postdoctoral. Well, no, obviously, he has an MFA, not a postdoc. But whatever. It was the same kind of, like, first first gig out of, out of school kind of thing. And they did this massive production. Of, the one that I saw that he was in was um, Marriage of Figaro. Unfortunately, there was a musician strike going on because the Louisville Symphony Op- uh, Symphony Orchestra was deciding to basically decertify itself and become an amateur group, which okay. meant the union would right. would no longer they wouldn't offer a union contract, so they were 
very poorly protesting out front by like handing out flyers and stuff. It was unclear to me what they were doing there at all. And then I walked in and there are two giant grand pianos and that's it for the orchestra, <laughs> which makes Figaro wow. a little different. Now, was this Figaro in, which language was it in? Uh, uh, Italian. Oh, good. Yeah. Because when it's in English. I dislike that It's as just well. not yeah. the same. On my no. guitar, yes. Just doesn't ring no. the same. No. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the super titles idea and I think, uh, yeah, the music was composed for get a particular the for yeah. it. That's the great thing with opera. Yeah, it's it Big was awesome. grand gestures. But they do all of that work and they put in all of that rehearsal time, and they had four shows over right. two weekends, mm-hmm. and then it was done forever. <laughs> Poof! Wow. At least with the ballets, we know that they they pull things like they they document them and then pull things out and right. But with opera, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did that. Uh, and I think we what we do in theater is sometimes really stupid, but uh-huh. I think that too sometimes. But <laughs> and then you're like, but but it's running for you know a but, good chunk right, of time. Yeah. I don't feel quite as bad. It sat down for a month. People had a right. like thirty thousand people got a chance to see it. That's okay. That's okay. All right, that was worth something. That yeah. might have that might have made a difference to somebody, touched somebody in some way, made someone think about something the way they didn't mean to think yeah, about it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and that's I guess that's why we do it. Yeah, well, I, it was really funny. One of my third, I think my third interview was with Liz Maestri, a local playwright, okay. whose first theatrical experience was at the Landsberg. I think she said it was Stacey Keach's Macbeth. And Lucky. so we record, yeah, right? I mean, holy crap. <laughs> and so we recorded on the stage of the Landsberg where she saw her That's first. That's so cool. It was really cool. That's so cool. But yeah, and it was, I don't think it was, I don't think it was this brat mat either. Like, I think it was like legit just she went to the. That was our first show, which is insane. Right. My first show was not that good. <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember. Like, I don't, first show you're working on, or first show you've seen? Seen is what we're talking. Yeah, about, that was right? the first show she's seen. God, yeah. I don't even remember what the first show I saw was. I really don't. And the first thing that I remember is being in mm, junior high and going to see a, uh, *Taming of the Shrew* as a spaghetti western in Denver. All right. Followed. You, you can do that. That it's hilarious. It is funny. Uh, yeah, and the bar scenes become uh, a saloon. It works really well. Folger did that. Really? That is, <laughs> I think that is how the Folger did their Taming of the Shrew. I remember they had a really great, great like player piano on the stage. And <laughs> That's. I think that player piano is still it's around. It's still there. Yeah. Charles kept like. I remember walking to the Folger one time. He's like, "You know anybody that wants this thing?" I'm like, uh, "I'd take it, but I have no place to put it." He's like, "I just don't have the heart to throw it away. It's too cool." <laughs> yeah, my first. That might be the story of why the Folger has so much stuff in it. Yes, you, you just can't get rid of it. It's, it's too cool. But we'll keep it back here. It'll be fine. Yeah, the first thing I'm that sure he Rebecca did to will me. probably kill oh. me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't encourage it. Uh, but Speaking, before we get too far, do you want some? Yeah, coffee? we should probably we grab the, the coffee. coffee. Yeah, here, should... I'll go get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, because the the funny thing is that my first. Um, working day when when Charles was giving me like the the dime tour of the space, it, the first thing he did when we got through the prop section was like, oh yeah, these things because he was showing me where all the lights were just before we were doing um, maintenance, and there's some sad looking single cell Kleagles oh, yeah, there is. that have oh. moved moved up to the fourth floor because they were never going to be used, and like my favorite, the asbestos covered tails was great, but they were hanging over. A, a bunch of m- moose antlers that had been used for some show, but they were genuine moose. Like they weren't like they weren't 
fake moose antlers. They, they were they were real, real moose antlers. Like, do you want these? Because we didn't. I don't think we're gonna use them again. But they're but it's legit moose. So fantastic. <laughs> it's good I don't to know. Think I've seen those. I think didn't somebody somebody took at least one of them when they when they learned that it was who was it? Now I can't remember. I wanted to say it was Cece, but that cannot be right. It was really funny though. I did. Oh, totally random thought. I found the other two uh, lights from Shakespeare's. So. Oh, good, Sean McCarthy. You will be. They're in my car now. Happy. <laughs> Need to email him back. Like, yeah, Sean. I totally. We found them. Did it. Thank you for doing that return, by the way. Oh yeah, it's like oh. Um, it was one of those. There, there were a few things that that happened over the past couple weeks that totally threw my whole life upside down a little bit and I just totally forgot that I had to return those. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> it's eight lights. I'm probably going to borrow like 16 from him in the next one, so it's fine. Okay, well, you know, at least at least we're not banned from borrowing from... Yeah, he actually offered. I didn't... I didn't... didn't ask him because we have to rent because we need to rent like eight 36 degrees and like four well, more I totally sold half now. No, no, it's good. Want... Okay, yeah, good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh... And then all of a sudden, like, Sean works at, I was like, yeah, you can just order something from Barbizon for us. Just uh, let me know what the quote is, and we'll tell you how much we want you to know. Because <laughs> apparently they did, the same for, they did the same thing for La Mancha. I, I really want to get Sean on. He's such a natural talker, and, and the conversation will go sideways so quickly. Uh-huh. And he has so many stories from Shakespeare, and they have done some truly ridiculous things. Of course they have. Everyone who worked on two gents of... Two gentlemen of Verona from uh, five or six years ago. Ago, everyone who had anything to do with that, if you talk with them for any length of time, that show comes up, just because it was so insane. I was an overhire putting and in that show in that building. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. hilarious! But yeah, so he offered, and I'll probably take him up on it and buy I something. Totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he keeps putting it off. I don't know why, but he's busy, busy, busy. You know? It's true. It's true. But now that the Landsberg is basically turned over to rental season, to its own like mini rental season, right? And uh, ter- once La Mancha settles down, he's have time for days. And they actually put the carpet into the, <laughs> the production office. How nice! It's amazing. Well, uh, it's amazing. Every single theater must have gotten a burst pipe of some every single theater i've heard has experienced some form of flooding still this can't believe winter that happened it was the crazy flood, like mm. twice at fords once at shakespeare oh the kogod got nailed oh at really i didn't Woolly. hear that yeah like it the kogod at Woolly. not at Woolly. Arena. you're right at arena sorry <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why i said that at all that's all right wrong theater there's a Aaron. lot of theaters in dc there's a lot of theaters here yeah Happened only happened to Roundhouse. I hear from Katie McCreary, who I would also love to have on. But anyway, now we're just rambling. Now we're just rambling. Now we've got the coffee. We got the coffee. We're going sideways, like we said it would go if we talked to Sean. Yes, (laughs) which it totally will. Yeah, I'm noticing that Chuck Klosterman book over there. I think it's Chuck Klosterman. There's a lot of books in there. Oh yeah, it's the hypotheticals thing. It's not the book. It's the um. Do you who's whose is that? Do you, have you read any of his stuff? No, I haven't. I haven't read any. That of his was a present books. to me, and I, it got, I got put it in there so that I wouldn't lose it, and I haven't, I haven't even opened it. It's a, a game. Person. Um, like it's not like a game. 
because you don't win. It's, it's about like I thought it was just about to like to help you like make you think and brainstorm better. Well, it's it's actually a, for, oh, it's for insane conversation. Yes, it's a conversation according, starter. According to the cover of it. Yes. So <laughs> I totally I totally forgot it was in there. So randomly, um, Catherine. Russell, who works at Barbizon now, who I saw today when I picked up my color. Right. Um, we should talk about that in a second, too. Pick, color picking, because I'm doing Mary Poppins. But, so, whenever we have these crazy parties at our house, like, we, ever since I got into mixology, we've been sort of exploring the corners of, of cocktails, mostly because for Christmas, she got uh, her Secret Santa uh, bourbon balls, is what she, she made. Okay. She didn't know anything about bourbon which is fine but she ended up getting a pint of woodford reserve of which she used like two ounces Mm -hmm. and all the rest of us whiskey drinkers like um i mean that's good that the those bourbon balls are going to be good don't get me wrong but you can do more with that (laughs) she's like i don't know i I drink rum i don't know i don't know what to do with that it's like okay and then the idea was okay everybody comes to the party with a bottle of bourbon Mm -hmm. or and, and or some like berries or something and and Aaron will make drinks and we put five cocktails on the menu awesome. and so we've done um, bourbon we've done we're gonna do vodka which makes me sad but it doesn't make me sad because we're gonna do gin after that and that's gonna make everyone happy because they don't know gin nobody does yeah like I, I, I personally like just very recently opened the door and I was like Jin, why have we not been friends before? I know, right? It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and you can't... I, 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 got, I started off on this kick because I noticed how much I was spending on wine. So I decided to go, like, durable investment kind of thing. So, you know, you buy a bottle of green chartreuse, it's going to be there a while. Right. Um, and I started off with the International Bartenders Association's, like, official list of cocktails. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to build my bar around being able to make every single one of these drinks at least once. You shouldn't start that way if you're considering it because there's a lot of like random one-off things like you don't really need that much like peach brandy if that's not your thing but there's one drink on the list that you need it for and like ginger brandy isn't sort of isn't really that big a deal so you don't really need so i have a i have like i have the bar on top and then like the cubby hole where the things i don't ever use they're there in case you need them right yeah i mean they're in case of emergency as as you build your bar and you explore the corners you should have them but you shouldn't start your bar that way but i have the i i then i went through the savoy cocktail book and the savoy cocktail book is like two-thirds gin like Huh. Liter and a half. Go. You just go through it. So you guys are just picking a different, different poison. Yeah, different base to... spirit. So we've done the okay. tequila one. We've done the rum one. The rum one was really fun. Um, we've done bourbon, and we're going to do vodka, and then we'll. And hit all these gin. times you guys had these parties, you never called me. I don't know why. I feel as I was thinking, it's like, oh, she's never been to them. Why has she never been to those parties? Have we never told her. No, nope. because that's insane. Yes. No. Nope. Well, the vodka one is going to be in May at some point. Okay. So um. But the other thing that she likes to do during these parties is to play Cards Against Humanity. Uh-huh. And her roommate has uh, all five expansions. So oh, wow. it, it's wild. Like they, And when you get like 10 people going, it's the perfect environment it's a, for it's Cards a Against good Humanity. Yes, absolutely. But they, she has that hypotheticals as well. Uh-huh. We started pulling that out. And it is awesome. Really? Like well, they're, maybe next time I have people over here, I will pull that out. They're insane, like, thought pieces. Like, Clusterman, I don't never read one of his books, but he's on the BS Report with Bill Simmons. If you're a sports nerd, you'll recognize it. Because Bill Simmons' other obsession is actually pop culture. Okay. And, like, he's really into Beverly Hills, 90210, and, like, follow certain things. And so Clusterman will come on, and he will just... He will just try to pick Bill's brain on the weirdest conversation. And they'll go down this rabbit hole for, like, 20 minutes. Like, 
I've never even thought about that hypothetical before. And they, the conversation could have gone on longer, except that he only has an hour and a half, so he needs to stop. So it's awesome. I, I love that it's there. It's it's really fun. I will have to actually look into yeah. it. I'm pretty sure that that was like a Christmas present from my mom. Thanks, Mom. Sorry I haven't opened it yet. <laughs> it's Yeah, I mean, you have to have a reason. It's called hypotheticals, too, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, so. Yeah. I can pull it out. <laughs> it's like, now we're going to play the podcast. It's behind it. <laughs> wow, I didn't know your arm could move like that. Magic. <laughs> Have you ever um, studied magic? Um, I, I tried when I was a kid. I yeah, was I too. not too terribly good at it, but I did learn how to juggle. I um, learned how to juggle as well. Yeah. I learned how to juggle, and then I was um, in high school, I was a lacrosse player, and actually I played a little bit in college too until I uh, really, really did a good number on my knee and had oh, my knee yeah. surgery, and that oh. kind of just uh, yeah. took me out, and I realized that probably wasn't a good idea to keep going down that path because I would have no cartilage in my knee by the time I was done if I did. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> that is when, part of what we're you here to are, talk about, actually. When you, when you play lacrosse, and you're, I was a lacrosse goalie, um, I did a couple like summer camps that were very intensive goalie camps. Mm-hmm. And the very first day of the first one in ninth grade, <laughs> they're like, great, put on all your gear. Go stand in the middle of this field. Here are three lacrosse balls. Keep your gloves on. Juggle them. Oh, wow. And you're like, I've got on this big helmet and this big chest pad and like all these things and I've got my gloves on and I can't even hold two lacrosse balls in one hand with these gloves right. on. How do you expect me to juggle? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So then there's, you know, 10 ninth and 10th graders out in the middle of this field all trying to learn how to juggle with their goalie gear on. I really wish that someone had a camera at the time because it was probably really fun to watch. Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, but that day, you know, the three hours that we spent out there trying to juggle was all about hand-eye coordination. Right, you know? yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But you feel like an idiot, and then you <laughs> get it, and you're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm juggling with my lacrosse gear on. Now I can pretty much juggle anything. It's, it's pretty great. You know, I can juggle everything, including my schedule. Um, some days better than others. Unnecessary life skill. Yes, hypotheticals go, is yeah. what this says. Yeah, yeah. To take it, to take it back. Um, 50 questions for insane conversations. We could do this now, but then I think your podcast would go too long. Like, we are re- really going... Right? Uh, Vampire Weekend. <gasps> I love that band. I've actually... A little only... bit of horchata. <laughs> um, let's see here. Yeah, no, we're not going to go down this. Okay, yeah. I we're going to put this back that's in the box. A, that's intended to... I know, it's intended open to Pandora's open box. Pandora's and, box. Yeah, exactly. We're going to close it. Before it really stays open, unlike we'll Pandora, over there on the table. we have that ability. Yeah. Um, we we didn't leave hope behind. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> Who knows? D- did you? So speaking of school, mm-hmm. um, are you from Richmond? No. Or, okay. No, I am not from Richmond. Okay. Facebook might say that I am from Richmond because I feel like my heart is there. I see. Um, I often tell lies on Facebook. That has gotten me in trouble. But I figured that one's not going to get me in too much trouble. Um, the uh, I actually grew up in Arlington. Oh, okay. Um, went to elementary through middle through high school in Arlington, and uh, was the student technical director at my high school. <laughs> um, had all the keys. <laughs> you know, like like, and you feel you feel so powerful, and you're friends with all the janitors. <laughs> they all love you, and they let you get away with murder, oh, like yeah. you know, throwing a surprise fiftieth birthday for your favorite art teacher by going into his room at nine o'clock at night and putting up posters and pulling pranks in there and getting in there before he gets there the next morning because you have a key to do it. (laughs) Um, And they, you know, 
once they once the janitors trusted me, it was it was, it was all good. We were totally free to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, between that and then getting all the sets built and running sound for all of the everything's that happened, all the assemblies, all that blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, college comes around. It's like, well, what am I gonna go to college for? Well, I guess I'll go for theater. Should I do sound or lighting? Eh, lighting's cooler. <laughs> I don't know why I decided that, but that's that's what happened. Um, and I also had a I had a partial scholarship to Randolph Macon College, and uh, so I was like, all right, you know, it's 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 the the scholarship said it was an academic scholarship. Okay. Um, but it was I'm pretty sure the they do the academic scholarships a lot for their sports players because it's a Division three school oh, and they gotcha. can't give a sports scholarship. And so, if you qualify with your GPA from high school, you are eligible for all of these different things, mm-hmm. and then you can go and play sports. Um, Trixie. Trixie. Um, so I did that and was, you know, training with the team for better part of the whole first semester, and uh, then I just I totally wrecked my knee one day doing like a time three mile or something like that, <laughs> tore my meniscus completely ah. in half, horizontally twice, and Ugh. it was a mess. And I was I was on the road to be a theater major, astrophysics minor, lacrosse player. Because we know we were talking about juggling. I was going to say, because <laughs> college theater is not well known for playing well no, with the existence of academics, they they let alone sports. And make it happen. I was like, all right, you know what, <laughs> we're going to do all these things. So, you know, let's get all my, let's get all my, um, like, knock two birds down with one stone. So... I'm going to take physics for physics majors, so that qualifies yes. for the astrophysics. I'm going to take calculus, English, and history, and do all these things, and play lacrosse, and it was, God, it was a terrible idea. <laughs> terrible, terrible idea. Um, I was so stressed that year. Oh, I can awful. believe it. Oh, my it gosh. It was really awful. Um, yeah, I learned very quickly that I was very good at trigonometry, and geometry, and algebra, and... I was okay with calculus when I first started, but we were doing integrals and calculus mm. and doing derivatives and physics at the same time, and my brain just could, it could not. It just, no. But they're it the just, same. But, but they're, they're, <laughs> ah, exactly. And that was what was happening for, right. like, yes. the whole year. Um, and uh, when, I, when I realized, I was like, you know what, I really love, I love my theater professor. He's really wonderful. Um, I got to work with Greg Hilmar for a year. Um, which was really wonderful. And I was like, you know, it's great being able to work with him, but pretty much everything else at this university is totally killing my soul, and I really oh, yeah. need to I need to look at other places because I'm not playing lacrosse anymore because I can't. Because um, I, well, I won't be back in shape. I won't be back in tip-top shape for mm-hmm. the season, and it's, like, and it's not enough to really make me want to stay here. So right. where, where else should I go? And I was looking at VCU, and Greg was like, mm-hmm. go down to VCU do that that's that's what you need to do and uh so you know off i went down 95 another 20 miles and <laughs> landed in luzari's office interviewed it's like yeah you're this is where you need to be we'll see you next year you know sort awesome. of thing and uh transferred in then i went through the next three years of vcu and really really dove into that and really dove into richmond and really just fell in love with that city mm-hmm. and got to got to work at a lot of really crazy places down there so it's, <laughs> you, you do a lot of work I mean I did a lot of work at VCU itself um, our shop foreman was very big on getting us all of the theater kids out into like getting on the union over higher calls oh, good, yeah. and um, getting on the rigging calls and, and doing all of this extra work like if you had free time you'd go to Kevin and say hey Kevin 
what you got this weekend? Mm-hmm. He'd tell you, and you'd, you'd be on your merry way, and you'd go get, make some extra money. And uh, all of that, paired with all the stuff I was doing at VCU, paired with the fact that I was trying to get designs at the small local theaters around uh-huh, town, yeah. um, it, it just it, there was really no reason to leave when I graduated. I felt like I was really working at a lot of great places. Like, you know what, I'm working with people I love working with, um, and I just started working. I started working at one of the new concert venues back in 2007 down there, which unfortunately closed a couple years after opening. Um, but I was one of three lighting engineers at Toad's Place, which was killer. There's another <laughs> one up in Connecticut. Uh, we had a really wonderful production team, and every day we showed up to work, and bands would show up and tell us that they heard about our venue from the venue before, and they were so looking forward to working with all of us there. Whoa! And that's just not something that you hear when you work at a venue. <laughs> You're, you're like, people are talking about us? Like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, we've heard, you know, that everybody here really knows their stuff. So, you know, doing three and four to seven sometimes concerts a week. Dude. Doing that and designing lights at a couple other places like Sycamore Rouge down in Petersburg, um, where my dear friend KB Sane was the artistic director. Um, <laughs> that theater is unfortunately closed now, too. Um, but just being able to work with I was working in so many different places and the Richmond Ballet you know? right, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm every day it was like okay am I am I designing a theater show am I doing dance am I hanging lights am I in a scissor lift am I doing lights for a concert am I running lights for Eve 6 tonight what <laughs> you know like what what is my life like why why would I leave this wonderful right. city um, and you know a couple years go by I'm still still down there really loving it Toad's Place is closed jump over, I start programming for Richmond Ballet, still designing at Sycamore Rouge, and I don't even remember other theaters that I was there with. <laughs> um, and uh, I was going somewhere with that. Bam! Right out of my we head. Had, like, the, 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 the reason you left? Oh, the like... reason I left. Twitter started started happening. You oh, know? yeah. Everybody gets on Twitter, and I was like, alright, cool. And, As you should. And, and uh, I've been seriously not on Twitter at all in the past <laughs> couple years, but... Back like 2009, 2010, um, there was a lot going on on Twitter, and there was a lot going on on Twitter with the with like the lighting world, and learned that if you're having a problem with the console, you could tweet at ETC and they would answer you in a snap. Almost faster than calling like, them. Almost faster than calling them. Same thing with Comcast or Verizon or any of those things. You complain on Twitter, and instantly your problem is solved. Well, you know, I'm meeting all these designers via Twitter, and. Um, Ended up becoming friends with Andrew Griffin. On oh, Twitter. okay. And, you know, we'd tweet back and forth with each other about all sorts of stuff. We'd share images from shows that we were working on, talk about things we were doing, problems we were having, how to overcome those things. It was, and it seemed like it was like a really great, really great thing. And uh, ended up being up in D.C. for Thanksgiving, visiting my mom. Mm-hmm. And tweeted Andrew like, hey, you know, I'm in town. Maybe we should go get a beer or something. I actually meet face to face. I feel like we should do that. <laughs> Um, IRL. And he's like, absolutely, let's go do it. So we went, I think we got like a drink at Rocket Bar or something. <laughs> um, it was either Rocket Bar, and then we ended up, it was like me and another and another guy um, who used to work at Barbizon, Justin Lang, um, who also runs IceQuint.net. The three of us got together and got drinks, and we ended up at uh, um, Irish Channel, too. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's either Irish Channel or Clyde's. Exactly. We ended up at the channel. And, uh, you know, we all totally just got along. We're like, this is, this is awesome. We should try to work together at some point. Four months later, I get a direct message. Hey, Brittany, I'm designing a show at the Kennedy Center for Genetic Theater. I need an assistant. Are you free in April? And uh, that, that is what 
started my mm-hmm. my working up here in the DC area was because of Twitter. <laughs> that's that is and that's not yeah. really what you'd ever expect to hear, but I uh, I, I assisted Andrew Griffin on Othello and the Family Theater. And oh, it was, and the Family Theater. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was really it was a really cool experience. Um, got to work with Grego. I love Grego. And um, and just did that and I was like all right, this this is clearly the next step. Mm-hmm. So over the next year or so, I was traveling up and down 95 um, a lot while living in Richmond and assisting up here at right. Cinetic. Oh, and gosh. Trying to get designs up here while still living in Richmond, which was really hard. Yeah. Um, trying to juggle that schedule was a little bit a little bit obscene. <laughs> I can sympathize because I live in Ellicott City, an hour north of <laughs> everything in D.C., so... Totally feel your pain yeah. on that one. So, Although Richmond is further away, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, it can be anywhere from an hour and a half to oh, a five-hour drive, depending on the traffic yeah. that day. Traffic is insane. It is insane. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. So after a year of that, I decided that it just wasn't worth the drive anymore, mm. and that I was getting more more of the kind of work that I was wanting to get up here, and it really broke my heart to to move. That mm. um, like you know I've got so many friends in Richmond and there's so much art going on down there and there's so many things to like get into and it's all on the ground level and it's all so new um it's like I didn't want to leave that but at the same time I knew that moving up here was going to be the the smart that was like it was yeah. it was what I needed to do even though I wanted to be doing the other things right and uh, I realized, you know, as far away as Richmond is, it's really not that far. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and it's not like over the past seven, eight years, I haven't made enormous amounts of friends that do like really cool things. So there's no reason why if there's a cool project, I can't drive back down there and do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's yeah. what brought me up here. And yeah. now I'm still at Cinetic and still designing for them. Well, not still designing. I am now designing, designing for yeah, them. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and you know, working with other people around the area, and it's. Weren't you in Georgia recently, with Cinetic? Uh, that was a couple years ago. A couple years yeah. ago, yeah. Uh, we traveled to the Republic of Georgia and and brought King Lear, and hosting guest, and that is an experience all into itself that could be a whole hour. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was that was a really amazing experience to. I mean, I was I was bringing Andrew's shows over there, mm-hmm, trying to mm-hmm. make sure that we were really staying true to what his designs were in a space that had no plot that was anything close to what we had when either show was originally done, and um, and and then the language barrier. Oh yeah, oh my and gosh. and an Israeli console that. What? Yep, it was. An, you can if you ever talk to Aaron Waxman, um, we, it was a CompuLife. To... It was a. PM4D, maybe Whoa. something like that. It's some weird, I don't know. But the the language on the console itself was not even it, like it's an Israeli-made console, and I don't know what language was on the board, oh but it gosh. wasn't in re- Israeli, and it, and you couldn't. So unless you knew what the buttons did, <laughs> you had no hope of programming it. So you had to rely on um, the house lighting oh, yeah. engineer and designer, who was a great help. Um, but you know that's that's the language barrier problem. Well, yeah, so a absolutely. lot of a lot of my queuing with for the, for both of those shows was directly with Pata, sitting there having a conversation about what the cue arc needed to look <laughs> like so that he could describe it. Right. Yeah. To 
the man who knew how to make the thing happen, and then they would have a conversation about how it needed to be, and then I would get the translation back and either give the okay or not. Right. Yeah. Um, it was a definitely, it was a diff, totally different way of thinking about how to attack a show. Um, and both of those shows on opening day, because we had very little time due to massive hurdles that had to get jumped over that are too much to talk about, um, <laughs> we... Uh, we never got a chance to actually run the shows before they were in front of a full audience. Awesome. Um, That's always a good feeling. And family. Hurricane Sandy came through on that show, too, at the oh, beginning of that, wow. which delayed the actors getting over. Oh the actors gosh. had three hours sleep and then went and teched a show for 15 hours or 12 hours or however long we teched it for. I don't remember because I just I kept teching through the night. <laughs> um, and uh, by the time we were done, you know, house opened. And we went, man, I hope this works. <laughs> And, you know, opening night, standing ovation with 1,500 people in a three-balcony Holy space. Holy cow. And this was this is like a 145-year-old theater. It's a national theater of the Republic of Georgia. Whoa. It was incredible. Wow. The amount yeah. of energy and the, the chills that you got when you saw everybody on their feet. Dude. It was, it was overwhelming, and I've never, ever experienced anything like that ever in my life. And uh, you, you end up... At the end of the show, and you see everybody clapping, and everybody on stage just being like, "Oh my god, we just did that!" <laughs> You're saying like, "This, this is why we do what we do." Yeah. Yep. This is why we do what we do. There are definitely those moments. Um, like golf. Ever, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of horrible swings, a lot of balls that don't go where you mm-hmm. want them to go, and a lot of just drudging around that really long stretch of green. But then you hit a perfect shot. Like you connect, and you know it. And it's there, and it's everything that is perfect, and it keeps you going. No matter how much of that rest of that right. bullshit is happening prior to it yep. or after it, that one moment, you keep it in your mind, and you, you go through the rest of it. Yep. So that that's, that's one of those really that's deep That's a big one, too, problem. yeah. It was, it was really, truly incredible. That's awesome. That whole trip was incredible. Um, and I'm really grateful that I got to, yeah. I got to take those shows. Um, really, really wonderful. Well, I, that's what's really funny. Of course, we haven't actually mentioned yet. Hmm. So, I actually owe you quite a lot of, uh, of this <laughs> this past year because I just started freelancing mm-hmm. in uh, whatever, like properly doing it in sometime in August, and my first two job offers were from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I could help. The Folger keeps trying to get you to ME there, but you should actually design there. I would love to design. You there. should. Hint, hint, not, not yes, to, to the powers of <laughs> yes. Please. Who who knows? Like Cece knows him as well, which is super. <laughs> anyway, um, and then I might have worked at Synetic if the dates hadn't lined up almost had... exactly with Folger's right. dates. Right. Like, oh, that's not going to work at all. Yeah. But yeah, so thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. Worked out really well so far. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that that's the case, and it wasn't like you got me these job offers. <laughs> Terrible. Why did you say I should work there? No. Um, Fuller's yeah, is a no. great place to start, for it's sure. It's a wonderful place to work. Yeah. Everybody that's there is, I don't know. I always feel good walking in the door and knowing. Yeah. Charles and Rebecca take really good care of you, too. Like, you, you always know that they have your back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're, they're really wonderful to work with. Yeah. I had thought where where was I going to go with that? I don't know. I don't remember either. But um, we can talk about co- picking color. Let's, mm. talk about, let's talk about that because it's one of my favorite things to do. Oh, good because this uh, I was hoping this this would actually have some legs and it would not be like one minute. Um, 
so I'm designing Mary Poppins for uh, high school at a friend okay. of mine. Um, so that has as a, as a high school they 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 fundraise the crap out of it and they uh -huh. will um, they are making Mary fly, and they are having Bert on the proscenium. Fantastic. So. That's the other reason I was designing the lights is that all and me and do all those other things. So right. they they can concentrate on the crazy thing that they've never done before in their mm -hmm. whole lives, and I can handle easily the things that break right. their brains. The describing the first time I was attempting to help them, they got an ion because mm -hmm. of some really generous parent when they did Lay Miz, and it's patched one to one. And when I tried to explain, it's like, uh, why you you, you can, can do this do this differently? differently. Yeah, like. One through five can it's so much easier to remember as your front light instead of sixteen and sixty eight is and yeah and those lights are clearly not focused <laughs> mm -hmm. and he's like oh I won't use that one because it's not pointed in the right place uh, okay well, move it. <laughs> yeah yeah those are all those are all hurdles that you can jump over with right a so a lot of high schools yeah so that's what's that's happening tomorrow actually so we're gonna go over awesome. and do that but I was like it's also the first time that I've designed having been uh like professional programmer for a really long period of time. Like I used to design for a small, the small theater that mm -hmm. the director and I used to work at, um, and, but it was with like par 38s and like chintzy American DJ, 500 watt aluminum reflector pars. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> it was the, the awful lights and I, mm -hmm. we did with whatever color we had because we didn't understand budgets and anything like that. And now this is the first time that I've actually had an opportunity to design something where I have to do it, where I'm just deciding to do it from scratch. I'm not going to take right. whatever color you happen to have. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring some color. I have systems in mind which may or may not work depending on how many lights you actually have that work, because it might be sixty, but it might be forty, right. <laughs> which changes things know. a little bit. Uh, and then I, so I sat down. I was like, okay, color. How do I pick the color? That's a really, really good question. Um, and then, so I narrowed it down. I was like, okay. Number one, I can't get fancy. I can get a warm and a cool front, which they have this crazy front of house thing that is like too high to get through the proscenium arch, except for like the first 10 feet. So they only have front light mm -hmm. in the first two acting areas anyway. So like, okay, so okay, that warm and cool there. Uh, for sure cool backs, if nothing else. Some, something for the proscenium. And they have they have R forty strips which have been lamped to sixty five watts. All right. Because they used to buy the lamps at Home Depot and you can't get a hundred watt or hundred fifty watt lamps anymore. And it's like, oh, you don't have to do that. <laughs> so that's that's what I got. It's like, okay, I had I might get side light. I'll plan for it. Let's pretend. Let's dream. Right. Let's dream big. Dream big. And now what do I? How do I go from there? And that I was like, okay, so warm, cool. Uh, and then, then, then I sat down with some swatches and just for a really long time. So looked at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I knew what designers that I had liked did. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the Yale, like no color two hundred one one sixty one. I feel that uh, especially for a musical, it's just way too cold. There needs to be some warmth to it. Um, and it's Mary Poppins, so there's a bunch of night scenes. Right. So I have to get a, a blue that's deep enough to read as night, and then a front light blue that's can switch for me right and then i was realized like oh i'm actually i'm actually answering some of these questions pretty well <laughs> but that doesn't the part where i have to decide mm -hmm. didn't happen like the, the light didn't turn on so i eventually settled on some stuff um, which we can talk about a little bit really nerd out the color choices <laughs> that i made in a second but so what's your process for for choosing color choosing for a color. show um, i mean yeah i i am very much influenced by sound oh okay um 
like it's gonna sound kind of weird but when I like I'll, I'll read a play and I'll kind of hear like I'll feel a tonality to it and that will influence a lot of how I think about what I'm picking color um when I used to run concerts it was very much uh listen that sounds green that sounds pink that sounds whatever um and I I would figure out ways to make colors make sense for reasons that they didn't necessarily make sense. Um, and that sounds, it sounds totally far-fetched and weird, but those were the kind of games that I played with myself for two years. Um, like this is a folk song, but I'm going to use green. It's going to work because of reasons. Um, and, uh, and if you... Which it can work. I mean, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, and absolutely. that's the beauty of yeah. it. Um, so it was one of those, how can I translate what what I can what I have into how it fits so Mm -hmm. some of it for me is influenced very much by sound so if the sound designer that I'm working with happens to put their files up on you know like Dropbox or something I will listen to all of them and that will help me a little bit in picking color scheme um the other thing that obviously will will be you know colors of costumes in the set oh yeah Um, of course yeah and uh and overall mood and emotion um sounds very textbook but uh but so there's a reason it's in the textbook. Yeah, and then I'll and then I'll go through it. It's like chunk by chunk through the play. You know, you, you you break it down. Like, what do I need to light this sequence? What do I need to light this scene? This scene? This scene? And then you look and see what overlaps. See what you can use the blues for. What you can use your ambers for. What mm-hmm. you can. What you wish you had bright orange for. Yeah, yeah. Um, any anything like that. And and it's it's a slow kind of. I don't know. It's almost like playing memory with yourself, like <laughs> sort of switching things around on the board. Um, and I'm sure that there's better ways to go about doing it, but uh, it's very, it's very fluid for me in my in my brain. I sort of let it kind of sit, and eventually I'll sit there while I'm working on the plots. Okay, so these are my systems. Mm-hmm. If if I put, you know, a blue in the front light, and then I do this color in the, in the side light and in the high side light, and I have backlights that are blue, or I have uh, backlights with scrollers. Great, that's where I can get my color from. And, and, and I just sort of... I end up going through and kind of doing it over and over again a couple times. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, until I get something that feels right. And then once I get that something that feels right, I will then go back through the script and go through it again and make sure that it all makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a... It's probably not the right way to do it, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's it's a creative process. It gets it, to be, belongs it, to you regardless. It's a, it's a weird process. So I spend a lot of time looking at like I'll I'll go through and I usually only like to use one like if I if I'm limited in instrumentation I yeah. only put one one front light system in. Mm, okay. Um and uh, and I that makes I, sense because I just I, I it's not that I hate front light it's just that oh I'm totally I, I, I find it to um it's it's supportive it's not a main right, feature exactly yeah so I will I will pick a color that is a neutral this will illuminate and I and I roll with that yeah and um. And if I'm doing like high sides, I usually make them the same stage left, stage right, because if I want to use them both at the same time to light yeah. something, or if I want to use them as a special, then I want them to be the same. Um, so a lot of my color choices come in with backlights and diagonal backs and mm-hmm. um, and and shins and head highs and that sort of stuff. Right, yeah. So that it's been very influenced by dance. And I've, I've definitely changed my approach working with Charlie Morrison and uh, Clifton Taylor are the two people I've seen light dance at the ballet, dance, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the ballet yeah. And um, and Charlie lights velocity as well, so like right. he lights a lot of different people. Um, the way that they use those systems definitely changed the way that I thought of mm-hmm. front light and area light and, and what you can do. Because it, it, dance, being, being so open and often 
not having quite as much in the way of sets requires more of the lighting to be the to tone setter. Right. So and what and what they do with sides and high sides for color is it's magical. Clifton in particular mm-hmm. is and for the for Sleepy Hollow, the reason we, we got a light up in Fort Walls like industry rag is because he rented thirty four luster twos from yeah, them. Yeah, I heard about that. And did exquisite things with them. These pastel greens that were for the witches mm-hmm. sequences and these deep purples and we we at one point we asked him in the middle of it like because clint allen who's a projection designer for that um uh used to it also designs lights almost every projection designer now came through uh came through lighting okay. although many theaters i don't know why they handed over to the sound department but many theaters handed over to the sound department i'm guessing because the sound department has the most amount of free time <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's really the case i think it's a lot of time that that sound knows a little bit more about how all of those connections are made oh that's fair that's a good and, point and how those cables need to get run it's a little bit it's it's a little bit of a different world than running a power cable. To oh, you know, it's a lot of network cable. Oh, it's that's, a lot yeah. of, oh, that's a good point. Or BGA or anything like that. And I find that a lot of sound designers are really knowledgeable in in, in that area. So, um, like a couple of sound designers that I work with are always end up being the guys that are setting up the projectors for the projections designer. Oh, and, and you know they're grumbly about it because why am I doing this? <laughs> why um, are they doing but, it? Yeah. Uh, but it's a lot of it is because they know they know how that all would interact and hook up with. Actually, the soundboard because sometimes because yeah. sometimes you know the sound and the projections have to be designed together. Yeah, and they're they're MIDI together they're a lot. Fu- they're yeah. fired together, so yeah. that's another marriage right there. That's, that's true. So although um, what's interesting with Clint though, uh, the re- well, so I used to be a filmmaking. I used to be a filmmaking student. That's what I actually well I wanted to do German, and then I discovered I didn't want to do German, and then I turned to my true passion, quote unquote, mm-hmm. filmmaking. Film watching is still a true passion. Let's let's okay. be clear. And I would love to make a film. If anybody out there wants <laughs> me to help, I will totally do that. But um, so I that's how my approach to video was that I already could edit film, and then Clint, yeah. who was my first boss at the alley, was totally saw the potential of video, and made sure that and made sure that the lighting department and that he worked with all of the projection stuff. Mm-hmm. So. We, that's why I actually got hired by him as that's a awesome. as an assistant because he knew because I'd done exactly the same thing before right. with him. So, well, but, there's something really magical that you can do when you know when you're working with a projections designer that has the the foresight to really um, like work with the lighting designer oh, instead yeah. of thinking that they're an individual entity. Because um, the you can use projections as illumination as well. Yes, and when you get lighting and projections to work as a team to really make make those stage pictures one one big beautiful thing yeah um it's yeah. it's really truly cool and we did that a couple times actually with moreau and i was really oh, really yeah, excited yeah. when that when that all worked out because um, it was a couple things that you didn't really see coming until you saw the haze pump into the space and you oh, went yes. oh man we could you, that's totally a moment where the projector like i'm going to turn off all of the lights please go to town and like scan this beast and make it look really cool because you see all these lines in the haze yeah, from the projections, you know. It's so cool. And it's and it's you know you work with them like this is these are the gobos I'm using. You can use similar yeah, textures absolutely. in your and you know when when that all ends up working out, you can kind of step back and okay that's that's yeah. collaboration and that's yes, really great exactly. Um and uh, and yeah I just it's projections is a really cool thing. I wish that I actually did more shows where I could I, I would love to work doing projection design I feel like oh yeah strength because I do photography too yeah yeah we so like combining yeah. combining those two forces I feel like yeah make some some pretty cool stuff I'm just too many 
too many yeah, too fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. like shooting weddings, yeah. projections, oh, lighting yeah. design, all these things, headshots. Who knows? Um, one of these yeah. things can't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of these things. Uh, hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe, maybe sometime down the line. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I, I love it. Um, it's definitely... And working with Clint is really great too because he because he does he has a such a ground up understanding of it. Like working with set designers and working with lighting designers, it is clear that it adds when the director and all of the designers are on the same page. Yes. it can really change what you sense, how you feel about because there are things that the projection can achieve with literal things that lighting used to only be able to approximate. Like the one of the best moments. Two of the best moments in the Widow Lincoln that we just did at Forbes, mm-hmm. Clint, um, they had these they have these towers of trunks and they're meant to encroach on on Mary Lincoln, make her make you feel physically her mental state as like confined to this room. Okay. Um, and they, these spectral widows appear on them during these sequences that are maybe her imagination, maybe who knows what's going on in there. Um, and in some of the more profound moments, like they're talking about Lincoln taking his final breath and. Clint took a picture of the trunks and projected their image mm-hmm. back onto them. So they had this spectral glow on top of the fact that they were there. And then he made them breathe. That's very cool. And it, and like and you just it, instantly like that. I, if we do, if we project no other image in the show, it is totally worth it just for that. Just for that one moment. But we also did this other really fantastic moment. Um. There's a moment she refuses to leave the room because uh, Lincoln's body is being removed from the White House and going to the funeral train. And all Clint did was would put an aura, like an orange aura, mm-hmm. around a black rectangle. So it was like an aura around a void that just mm-hmm. went along the stage. And the way, and this is this is the thing that most people don't get about projection. It's like it has to fall onto something. So I was like, can we can we project that image up there? Yeah, on what? <laughs> but in this case, the trunks were perfect because you you get to see the fall of it. So mm-hmm. it it added to the sense of motion That's because cool. because it, as it was falling across, and so it just crosses. It was just a black rectangle, and across the stage, and it was a real moment of of pathos that that could not have been achieved as easily any other way like maybe you could have done it with lighting in some other mm-hmm. some other form or fashion or had an actor like literally walk it out but having the projector fall on top of the surfaces and let it it worked it worked really good. well it was awesome so yeah I, I suspect I will continue to do that as well <laughs> um, I have I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are loose ends in our conversation but Probably true. we are at our hour that's true as you can see from the timer. I just looked down and saw the timer. Actually, we're over our hour. Yeah, just a little Oops. bit. It's typical. It's actually pretty typical. Hour 15 is usually where we end up because <laughs> people are awesome people to are talk chatty. to. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like one of the reasons I did the podcast at all is because I feel like I have these great conversations with all these people in theater who are underserved in the podcasting world. Like, people don't get to listen to these people talk about what interests them and what their lives are like. So I want to make sure that people can, you know? Have a, have a platform to That's be really to cool. be heard about what they believe in. I really appreciate in. you like taking the time to oh, like, I'm s- come over here and set up all these microphones. Thank you. Um, Chat. <laughs> I hope we'll do it again at some point. Absolutely. Um, That'd be great. Uh, so, but this is also a time for you to plug whatever you would like to plug. Oh, man. Do you have anything? I, I know that's a stupid question. Do you have anything coming up? <laughs> you have a lot of things coming up. I do up. have some things coming up. Um, um, just so you, so your, this episode will drop in... 
like April 17th or so. Okay. So that'll be right around the time that I have just come back from Connecticut with Synetic. We are taking Hamlet on tour mm. um, to a venue that I am right now completely <laughs> blanking on the name of. Um, it's just a it's just a one night sort of. Oh, we go up there and 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 rock out a show and then come home, dude. Um, so that's gonna be that. The week before that, I will be remounting Hamlet in Synetic's home space, actually, um, and uh, that's with the Teen Company. <laughs> so it's Teen Hamlet, and I'm really I'm really looking forward to see what these kids can bring mm. to that show because it's a it's one of it's one of the synetic staples, and it's okay. going to be really yeah. amazing to see some teenagers totally totally pretend to be <laughs> Alex Mills. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, after that, I am doing more kids shows with Imagination Stage. We're oh, doing She cool. Kills Monsters with part of their yes. acting conservatory. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And that is I'm I'm really excited to see you know yeah. some twelve to fifteen year olds with broadswords and oh, axes yeah. and. That's right. I, speaking of Twitter, those those people are super active on Twitter. Uh, Absolutely. It's really fun. Absolutely. Uh, who, who is is Nick Vargas at? Uh, yeah, I we I interviewed him in the context of field trip okay. theater. So, but gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cool. So so she kills monsters, and then uh, oh boy, then I'm traveling <laughs> down to Richmond to uh, I I I am Michael Stewart's associate on uh, on their School of Richmond Ballet Gala, oh, cool. which is tis the season going to be huge. Um, like eight universes of LEDs, from what I understand. Um, and, and then this show—it's—it's it's part of their Minds in Motion program, which is dance in the schools, basically down there. And so, oh, okay. company dancers and and the RB two Richmond Valley two, which is the like the second company, mm-hmm. um, will send a couple like a pair of company dancers out to different schools to do an after school program with thirty or forty kids at each school. And in May, they all come together in the same room and Whoa. put on a big <laughs> show. Um, and in the past, they've done it in like a, an oversized gym. It's like a quarter mile track. And it's been um, 40 foot scrim as wings with 800 children on stage at the Holy same time. Holy cow. This one is going to be actually, it's a little bit smaller um, in scale. Of, of kids from what I understand but it's going to be in the Carpenter Theater down in Richmond and it's oh. a huge set um, and <laughs> so I'll be I'll be working on that and then I'll be with the with the tour of that show in May going to Charlottesville to the PBCC um, setting up and making sure that can can be recreated so remounting that in May holy um, cow I'm sure there are other things I'm shooting. I'm shooting a wedding in May. Yeah, see, do you want to I mention just, your photography just, at all? I yeah. just shot a wedding last weekend. Um, actually, Katie Chance and, <laughs> and Celia at Willy Mammoth. That was a really, really wonderful weekend. And I'm going through their photos this week. Um, lots of really, really happy moments. Mm-hmm. So doing that. A um, couple other weddings this summer. I'll be... Jeez, I don't even remember those other stuff. <laughs> um, I know that there's more... I would have to actually sit at my calendar to, to tell you all of the things that are coming up. Um, and and maybe a vacation in there. Oh well. It would be great to <laughs> take a break for a week. Um, yeah, and then and then so far next season I'll be I'll be working with Synetic on, mm-hmm. on three of their four shows, it seems like cool. so. Awesome. Really looking forward to Man in the Iron Mask. Whoa, yeah. Mm-hmm. After after getting to design three musketeers, um, 
That's really looking very forward cool. to being able to do like a sequel to a show yeah. that I've yeah. already <laughs> that I've already lit. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, totally. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll actually pull out my film cameras sometime over the summer and shoot some with those because I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe some shooting for fun, hiking, <laughs> <laughs> getting outside, walking my my awesome dog. <laughs> <laughs> so my gigantic husky, getting him outside, playtime. <laughs> He seemed to really like the snow. He loved the snow. I have never seen a dog quite so excited to see snow falling from the sky. He was jumping like Tigger the Tiger. Um, and, and then, you know, every every day, you'd go outside and realize the snow was still there and would get all excited all over again. Um, and, and then just recently in the thaw, we were, like, you know, walking through the park, and you could see he was just looking around walking around all the puddles because he doesn't like walking through puddles he walks around them which is really great for me um <laughs> and he would find a mound of snow and get excited and go run over to it and stand on it and kind of look at it and look around and his tail would drop <laughs> i'm like oh you missed the snow poor guy yesterday with the 75 degree weather that we had walking oh, yeah. he, was, he was panting he was like, Man, <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. why is it so hot outside i am ready to go home guy he'll get used to it i'm sure (laughs) me better welcome to virginia (laughs) it's really humid (laughs) all right well thank you again absolutely uh, my pleasure it was a blast